Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, December 31st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, an end-of-year fatality report details the number of Mississippi law enforcement officers that have been killed in the line of duty. Plus, practicing fire and fireworks safety this New Year's Eve. And a mother's mission to reduce drunk driving fatalities in Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund has released an end-of-year enforcement law enforcement officer fatalities report. The report finds that over 100 law enforcement officers were killed in the line of duty in 2019. Four of those deaths occurred in Mississippi. Marsha Ferranto is CEO of the National Law Enforcement Memorial Fund. She talks with us about the report's conclusions. In 2019, our country witnessed... 128 law enforcement line of duty related deaths. Out of that 128, four of them were in Mississippi. And one, um, one was firearms in Mississippi. The other, the other three were traffic related. But our numbers are down overall 18% uh, for line of duty deaths in 2019 versus 18. When we look at the, re- the primary reason or uh, 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 how these law enforcement officers died, they're, the most, of the, most of them are going to either fall under firearm-related fatalities or traffic-related fatalities. Do you differentiate between, like, with a firearm death, is there intent to kill that officer as opposed to a traffic fatality? Yes. So we do, I mean, that's a totally separate traffic fatality is a different topic than under firearms. And I can describe to you how. So when we look at firearm related fatalities, we look at, you know, what did it happen uh, attempting an arrest? Was it a domestic disturbance? 
Was it investigative activity? Was it a robbery? Was it an ambush? And I can tell you that one of your fallen officers, I believe, was an ambush. So when we look at firearms, those are the kind of things that we're looking at. And then the other thing that we look at, uh, Karen, is, uh, is, is what type of firearm. We had 27, so we had 49 firearm-related deaths around the country. 27 of those were handguns. 14 were unknown. Seven were rifles. And one was a shotgun. So those are the ty- kind of statistics that we're looking at. We're also looking at, to, in the 1960s, the average number of firearm-related fatalities was 32. In, in this decade, the average was 52. So that trend is going in the wrong direction. However, our overall uh, firearm fatalities compared to last year is actually going down about 6%. When talking about the traffic fatalities, are the majority of them officers who are assisting someone on the side of the road and are hit by another vehicle? Yes. So uh, that's a very good question because that is something that uh, that we're really focusing on. So in this past year, when we're looking at the 43 traffic-related deaths, uh, 25 of them were automobile crashes. And 17 of them were officers who were struck at, struck outside the vehicle. That is something that uh, the country is focusing on through its move-over laws. And I do believe Mississippi has uh, move-over laws in place. Every state are a little bit different. But those move-over laws can, can truly save lives. And that is, you know, building the awareness, or, you know, with the citizens of Mississippi – that when they see uh, first responders uh, on the side of the road, that they do uh, either move over or they uh, or, or they slow down if they're not able to move over. You said in Mississippi, four or three of the four deaths were traffic related. Do you know if those uh, three cases were as a result of first responders being struck? Uh, we had one I was killed in a vehicle crash by uh, two juvenile suspects who were fleeing law enforcement in a stolen vehicle. So that was uh, what I would consider a crash. Uh, our narcotics investigator succumbed to injuries he sustained. The investigator was a passenger, and the driver lost control of the vehicle and rolled over. So that actually was not uh, caused by a citizen. Constable West was serving civil papers and his vehicle left the road. So those actually were single car accidents that officers were only involved in by themselves. And that is another uh, uh, another one of the programs that are now being implemented around the country with law enforcement that they are focusing on these single car incidents and how they can be avoided. Marcia, tell us a little more about the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Sure. So, um, Karen, we uh, are housed here in Washington, D.C. We have a campus uh, right downtown where we have a memorial, uh, a beautiful memorial, that actually is is a wall that has 21,910 names. Annually, we have a candlelight vigil on May 13th where we honor the fallen of that year. And so this year we will be honoring those four fallen officers in Mississippi as well. 
And um, and on our campus across the street, we have opened a law enforcement um, uh, museum that focuses on educating the nation um, in law enforcement. It also is a platform where what, that we're using to set the table for some of the important discussions that need to be held uh, for this country to come together uh, through law enforcement and community uh, relationships. And we also uh, focus on keeping uh, our law enforcement officers safer by uh, implementing a program that we call Destination Zero. And Destination Zero is a program that we partner with the Bureau of Justice and Assistance, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration, uh, to come up with best practices for law enforcement around the country to help keep them safer and to help connect them with communities. Marsha Ferranto is the CEO of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Marsha, thank you very much for being with us. Karen, thank you for having us. Coming up, practicing fire and fireworks safety this New Year's Eve. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number one way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Tonight, across the country and the state, many will celebrate the new year with fireworks. Others may welcome it with bonfires. In either case, John Pope, president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association, urges caution. As he tells our Kobe Vance, safety is paramount when handling fireworks. First thing we see is is people that are uh, mishandling fireworks, not utilizing the way they're intended whether it be trying to hold the fireworks in their hand uh, and be it fireworks that are not made to be handheld or uh, utilizing fireworks uh, too closely. Uh, We hear a lot of times about people who are trying to uh, utilize and hold fireworks, the canister type in their hand. Um, Of course, those are not meant to be used in that way. Uh, You want to make sure that they're on a level, flat surface and that they're in a good, stable position. Uh, before you try to utilize them uh, in that manner. Um, You also want to make sure that you're not leaning over the firework whenever you go to light it in case you have a uh, fast-burning fuse. Another thing is is lighting the fireworks, either utilizing the lighter sticks or the punks uh, to be able to light the firework so that you're not right there close to it. We see people that try to utilize, um, uh, let's say, Roman candles. Roman candles, um, you know, people traditionally think, oh, you can hold them by hand. Um, Even though you see people do that, it's not really and truthfully the safest uh, way to do that. 
really what you should do is, is I tell people they could utilize like a cinder block brick, um, something non-combustible that they could uh, place them into uh, a piece of pipe, put a piece of pipe in the ground, and then uh, be able to, to have the Roman candle uh, placed into it. And the same thing with bottle rockets. Um, there's been a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of eye injuries and hand injuries uh, from people holding fireworks in their hands and them going off. Uh, we see that in emergency rooms and in hospitals, and we see people that have either you know been shot in the eye by a bottle rocket or some type of uh, projectile firework. Um, so you just want to you know be cautious and utilize the fireworks the way they're intended, and not uh, utilize them in a improper manner. And I know we've had a lot of rain this past week. Um, would you say there's still a risk of fire spreading, or do you think it's okay? Well, I mean, there's always a risk for fire spread, even in wet conditions. Um, if you think about it, uh, not only are you concerned about uh, brush, um, we have had a considerable amount of rain, and we had rain that was uh, set in on us for a good while. Um, cooler temperatures, we've got some areas that still have some, some brush that did not get a lot of moisture. Uh, so there's always the chance for a stray spark or ember to get to something that could uh, be dry enough tender that it could burn. Or it could be that someone has uh, materials, say, stacked up around their home. Maybe they've got construction material somewhere. A uh, spark may come back in, settle into something that could, that could cause a fire. So there's always a risk. You know, first thing is is making sure that you have a clear open area where you're going to be utilizing, shooting the fireworks and utilizing them. You wouldn't want to do them on a, on a uh, tree-covered street. You want to make sure that you have a good stable footing and stable foundation and setting where the fireworks would be shot from. Um, you know, if you were to uh, be shooting the fireworks on a tree-covered street, uh, it could cause the firework to ricochet off and come back and hit someone and injure someone or damage someone's property. Other danger is is that if you don't have them on good, uh, stable foundation and, and firm location where you've got them placed, is they could tip over and then the fireworks could uh, shoot back towards uh, someone or injure someone or injure their property. Um, so you want to be cautious with that. Other thing is, is make sure the fireworks aren't anywhere near any flammables or combustibles. So it's just taking that, that little bit of time uh, to be precautious and careful that can prevent uh, serious injury or either serious damage, uh, you know, as well. If you have a firework that you light and maybe it doesn't go off, um, you don't want to just immediately go back up to it because it could be a slow delayed fuse. Give it a considerable amount of time. You know, give it give it you know, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, don't just go up to it immediately and uh, and and check it that way just in case. There's a lot of people have been injured in that fashion that way. And then I know people might be doing uh, midnight bonfires uh, coming up. Is there any like uh, like fire safety tips? Yes, I mean you know it's all we you know. A lot of times this time of year, a lot of people enjoy bonfires, especially on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, you want to make sure that you have a a good safe area where you would have, uh, whether it be a burn pit, I would recommend having some type of protected barrier around the area. You can buy the commercially made fire pits. If you're just doing an open burn, uh, make sure that you've got a good safe buffer zone, a cleared area with no type of combustibles or flammables anywhere in the area. Uh, make sure that you are utilizing a wood that does not pop real bad. Um, other thing is a lot of people would burn pallets. Uh, you want to make sure that you uh, place them to where they wouldn't fall over and could possibly put a put a, a burning uh, item towards somebody. 
Uh, so make sure that you place the, the wood properly there. Um, make sure that you've got a, uh, a, a water hose handy. You've got a water hose handy or either a bucket of water that you can utilize to, if something was to get out of hand. And then also, too, once you're finished, um, finished with the bonfire, make sure that you extinguish all of the, the embers and the ashes thoroughly and cool them down so that you don't have anything continue to burn. John Pope is president of the Mississippi Firefighters Association. Coming up, a mother's mission to reduce drunk driving fatalities in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Ready for a new year? This season of Fit to Eat, we'll be cooking up lots of healthy and delicious dishes to get you started out on the right foot. We'll travel to farms all across the state and have some great conversations with a new guest every episode. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner is back with kitchen hacks and recipe ideas that you've got to try for yourself. It's going to be a great year, so tune in. Join Chef Rob Stinson on the new season of Fit to Eat, premiering January 18th on MPB TV. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Mississippi Highway Patrol arrested 95 drunk drivers and a record 10 people died during the Thanksgiving holiday. This Christmas, there were 39 DUIs and five deaths. Cheryl Clark with Mothers Against Drunk Driving Mississippi warns people against the dangers of drunk driving. The 53-year-old says her younger brother was killed by a drunk driver in 1988. Then, in 2006, her daughter, who was pregnant with twins, was killed by one. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier about those dangers and how her personal experience has shaped her advocacy. A lot of uh, parties are going to be going on, and uh, there's going to be a lot of drinking. Not only drinking, but unfortunately, drugs, street drugs, prescription drugs, etc. Um, <clears throat> and Mothers Against Drunk Driving has now incorporated Mothers Against Drunk and Drugged Driving. We have not added another D. Um, however, whether it's alcohol or drugs, any kind of um, under the influence or intoxication on our highways when we are traveling, we never know a vehicle that we're approaching or maybe even one that's behind us. We don't know if that person is under the influence of anything. When you when you talk to people about uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving and you talk about um, not driving drunk, not using drugs, do you talk more to those that might drive and do those things or do you focus on the victims or both? Both ways. Don't drink and drive and anybody who plans on drinking, if, even if it's one drink, have a designated driver. A designated driver is not the person who has drank the least. That is somebody that has drank nothing at all. And then even like kids, don't get in a vehicle with anybody who has drank anything at all. Somebody may say, well, I haven't drank. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I, I can do this. I got this. We don't have far to go. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
And have you heard about incidences where people have done the very thing that you just said they shouldn't do? Oh, sure. Yeah, happens all the time. And people really don't get it unless it happens to them or happens to somebody that is very close to them. Then they get the big picture. Um, We do a victim impact panel. Mothers Against Drunk Driving does a victim impact panel. Um, The people who come to the victim impact panel are court-ordered. They are somebody who has already gotten a DUI. They've already gone to court. They have already either been found guilty or pled guilty, and they've been sentenced as a part of being found guilty or pled guilty. Going to the victim impact panel is part of the sentence, and that's where they hear stories from speakers who have been affected by a drunk driver. This is live talking people with real stories of how uh, drinking and driving has affected their life. And do you feel from those experiences that it impacts them to the point that they're less likely to do it again? Uh, some, yes. Some, a lot of them, yes. Some people, they're not going to be affected at all. Um, some people, you just, I mean, you just can't get everybody. Um, because, again, they think, you know, it's not going to happen to me. That happens to other people in other places. We are the other people. We are all the other people. What made you get involved with MAD? Um, my little brother was killed when he was 18. And that's a long time ago. That was in 1988. And actually, MAD was nowhere in my mind frame at the time. But um, at that time, I had two children. I had a three-month-old son and a three-year-old daughter. My three-year-old Fast forward, when she was 20 in 2006, she was married for 14 months. She was three months pregnant with my first grandbaby, and we found out the end of March that there's not one baby, there's two. It's twins. March 27th was her first doctor appointment. We found out there's twins, and 12 days later, they were hit head-on and killed by a drunk driver. My condolences to you and your family. Her husband survived. Her and, of course, the babies died, and then the drunk driver also died, which normally don't happen. Normally, if there's a crash with a drunk driver involved, it really don't matter if it's a one-car crash or a 20-car pileup. The person who is intoxicated is the least injured. Generally, you know, they banged up, bruised up. Sometimes they get up and run off, you know, even. Um, but least injured. But every now and then, occasionally, that's not the case. And in this situation, the drunk driver died on the scene that night. My daughter was 20. Um, The drunk driver, his name was Tyler. He was 20. So I'm not the only mother who buried a child from that crash. What does it mean to you to be a part of an effort to educate people about this issue? Um, it means the world to me because, uh, I know the path of grief and grief is just a four letter word, but the pain from burying your child 
There is not one thing on the face of this earth that compares to it. So, to help prevent another parent from having to do that is what drives me to do what I do. And it's stories like yours that are going to make the difference. And thank you for your willingness to share that with us. Cheryl Clark is the program coordinator for MAD in Mississippi. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.